Blog Talk Radio. Sorry to hear you are not feeling well. 
Um, but we got some wrestling to talk, so hopefully, uh, you know, this this will clear things up. You know, one thing that, and it's funny, we just had our, our pre-show meetings and we discussed all this other stuff, and we stopped, we forgot that we were going to discuss something, and we're just we're flying by the seat of our pants here. But one thing we've never done this before, and we're going to start off with this. Uh, you know, a lot of DVDs come out uh, over the year. Uh, all the companies, DVDs all over the place, uh, everything, even the indie shows. Um, you know, that happens, but, you know, we, we've seen so many and some are good, some not so much. And the big DVD right now, the WWE is, is marketing is Roxena once in a lifetime, uh, enthusiastic thumbs up from this guy. Haven't watched all the special features yet. Gotta say the documentary portion, excellent, well done, uh, Footage that you wouldn't expect to see. And one of the, the uh, big things to remember is, you know, they did that uh, special on the USA Network that I did not like at all, uh, the once-in-a-lifetime uh, thing. And uh, this is completely different. This is not uh, what you saw on USA. In fact, I would have loved to have seen something like this on USA before WrestleMania. This is light years away from that special so highly recommend the DVD. And, and Dave, you've also purchased it. Uh, your thoughts on, on what you saw on Roxena Once in a Lifetime? I definitely, I, I like it too. I, I thought it was uh, it was better than what I expected to be. Um, I was just walking around uh, Best Buy um, trying to stock up on my uh, my, my collection of, uh, of wrestling DVDs, and I saw it, and I said, oh, let me pick it up and see what they have. And I, I, I picked it up mainly in particular for... Uh, for you know some of for the extras and uh, you know some of the stuff that was on Raw on the hype heading towards WrestleMania 28 with you know the Cena rap and the, the promos between the two guys and uh, the documentary portion was great. Um, I, I will differ with you. I didn't mind the, the special that was on USA leading towards WrestleMania. Um, I think it was just a, a, a teaser to whet our appetite for when the match does take place. Um, but the special, you know, the, the the content on the documentary portion obviously was a lot different than what was on the USA special because they were previewing the match as opposed to what's on the DVD now where they mix a little bit of previews heading towards the match and then what became of the match and, and the aftermath of it. Um, and and I, I think they did that on purpose, obviously, so that they could sell DVDs. But overall, you know, you, you get a thumbs up for me and uh, – and you know, as regards to this DVD, I thought it was great, and uh, you know, um, I, I think you should all go out there and buy it if you're if you're a wrestling fan, if you're a fan of John Cena, The Rock. Um, great DVD to watch. I enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, we're you know, again, we don't do this. It's not going to be a segment on this show that uh, uh, we're going to review DVDs. But I, I thought you know it was good enough um that i i thought you know why not just throw a little bit on the show and just recommend it cuz uh, you know you never know and sometimes you go out and get a dvd and honestly it blows chunks and if we could help educate the consumers out there looking to buy a wrestling dvd um i think you know we both give it a big thumbs up so uh i know they're pushing it hard and you see all the commercials uh definitely well worth it so uh, go and check out that dvd because we both give it a thumbs up we got a jam-packed show for you tonight and again we have the phone lines are actually packed up so be patient guys we're going to go out to the phones asap 347-838-9815 because we want to hear from you 
Just so you know, a little later on, we are going to have the NWA on fire heavyweight champ Brian Fury is going to be calling in, as well as, you know, this show, who knows? Who knows? Going to be calling in, uh, you know, Bob Arian or, or All American Bob or Bob, you know, who knows? One of his 150 personalities could be calling in tonight, uh, but we definitely have Brian Fury that's going to be calling in. Uh, in the second hour of the show, so looking forward to speaking with him, seeing how his match uh, this past Tuesday went against uh, Makua. And uh, last week, a uh, big pay-per-view for the WWE Night of Champions. And, you know, one of the interesting things, I mean, they kind of, they do this whole thing going into Night of Champions. And I don't, I mean, and we, Dave and I, I mean, we disagreed on, like, the, the segment. I mean, you kind of liked the... Uh, the legal segment with the bro kick. Uh, I wasn't crazy about it. Whichever. That's what makes the world go round. We all have different opinions about things. However, they make such a big deal about this and about the, you know, the bro kick needing to be outlawed, eventually leading towards it being outlawed, um, which was a big deal. And we talked about it on this show. You know, we both kind of thought that, hey, this could serve to give Sheamus a little depth. Have him win with something else. Uh, he was using the Texas Cloverleaf. We thought that could be cool. Win with that. Show everyone that you're, you're you know, you're not a one-dimensional champion. You deserve this belt because you don't need the bro kick. Nah, don't need it. I'll win with something else. Bring it on. So we thought, like, this could be cool, you know, knocking out the bro kick. Or maybe they go with Del Rio and, and there's a stipulation, you know, afterwards and there's controversy because Sheamus loses the belt because he can't use the bro kick. So all this stuff, they kind of crammed down our throats about not using the bro kick, which was a central point of, of this whole storyline going into this match. And then right before the match starts, guess what? You can use the bro kick. I just, for me, it almost turned everything with that, that involved the, the, the legal segments and everything, it just turned into, in one instant, like all that was a colossal waste of time for me. And like, what was the point? Um, I was not crazy about that at all. Uh, it Honestly, it, was, it wasn't a bad match. It took away from the match for me a little bit, and I was there live. Um I don't know. I, I just don't know like what the point was to at that moment to reinstate the bro kick. Your thoughts, Dave? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was pointless. Like, like you said, at the same time, I, I think that was a tool to, to uh, you know, to to make Del Rio, you know, to make the to stack the odds against Sheamus so that when he you know comes back and wins from you know from insurmountable odds, losing the losing the bro kick and. You know, uh, but then gaining it back, it makes the it it, it it comes full circle. It makes you know the struggle mean something in the end, and that you know he's a fighting champion. And um, I don't know, I wasn't really too pleased with it. I would have liked to have seen Del Rio win, and uh, I don't know, I just it didn't it it didn't really sit well with me personally. But I mean, I, I see what why they did it in that sense. Like I said, um, but it just didn't do it for me. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I, I agree with you, you know, that whole idea, and, and you know, the best thing, you know, in, in wrestling, I shouldn't say the best thing, one of the best things is is that whole idea of, like, you know, insurmountable odds, you know, putting, 
you know, our hero into a position where there's no way he can win. You know, putting our, you know, King Kong Bundy shattering Hogan's ribs. So there's, there's no way Hogan can, can win. And then he does. You know, that, that idea of just, just whether it's a stipulation or an injury or, or just something, just stacking that, those odds against the, the baby face. So when the baby face wins, it's a bigger deal. And it just all kind of seemed pointless in the end. I, I, I don't, it was weird because, I mean, I get it. And I don't know. It's funny. It's like you go like short term versus long term. Short term, yeah, it got a pop. You know, Booker T came out and said, hey, guess what? Yeah, the bro kick's good. They didn't say it quite like that, but you know, y'all know how. Would you, would you like to give us the announcement, Davis? Booker T would have. <laughs> Let me see if I got the chops for it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> After a thorough investigation, I've come to the conclusion <laughs> that although the bro kick is deadly, I will reinstate the bro kick tonight. <laughs> that was awesome. It just never gets old, at least for me. Yeah, so, it's good yeah, for I mean, like once, once a show. What was that? It's good for like once a show. Not that, no, yeah, exactly. Not we'll, the show. we'll try and limit it to that. It's yeah. not 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 like uh, not like putting Daniel Bryan and Kane in every segment. But we'll get to that later. Yeah, what's <laughs> the show? Um, yeah, I I don't know. Like it was just kind of odd. Like whether creatively speaking, or or whether you liked it or not. And like I said, Dave and I differed on it. But I'm willing to say that that's just that's a matter of opinion. And I'm not going to get on the WWE and say it's bad. I didn't like the legal segment. I I, I thought it was cheesy. Uh, but some people liked it and thought it was good comic relief. Whatever. Different strokes for different folks. That's the way life is. Um, but whatever, whatever place, and that, that's, what's funny. Like right now, you know, Dave and I differed on the sketches, but now we're kind of in agreement that, you know, what exactly was the point of it all? And it really, and, and we've discussed this too, when we talk about these three hour raws, when you reinstate the bro kick, it really makes those segments look like ah, they were just there to kill time. We got three hours to fill. We need to kill time. All right, we'll throw this thing in, and we can we can make some stupid sketches around it, and you know, with a couple commercial breaks surrounding it, like we can kill a good fifteen minutes with just uh, you know outlawing the bro kick. And you know, it, it's tough for me not to look at it like that when you see how everything uh, played itself out. So. Coming away from that, and you know, we, we're not liking reinstating. Uh, and you, you touched on it briefly, Dave. Uh, the the big thing right now, where does this leave Del Rio? Um, you know, I, I I thought about that going into the match last week, and then even after the match. Um, and then I thought after, on Monday when he when he demanded another title shot, they had the tag match with the stipulation that you know if if Del Rio or Cena get the pinfall, then they're in strong consideration for a rematch. I thought okay, maybe they'll give Del Rio one more match. I don't know why, but um, now looking at it, I I don't think they're going to go forward with that. I think 
I think they're going to go with a more aggressive Alberto Del Rio. Um, like was like it was rumored earlier this year that when he had returned after WrestleMania, you were going to see a more aggressive side of Alberto Del Rio to his character. Um, I think we might see either some form of a, you know, I mean, he's had a losing streak against Shane. He's lost every match. I think we'll see a lot of matches with Del Rio now where he's he's not, you know, he doesn't care if he's winning. He's he's out to send the message that, you know, that that Booker T screwed him. I wouldn't be surprised if this sets up a, an angle with him and Booker T in a few months at a pay-per-view. Um, over the course of like a month or two, Del Rio's just, you know, raising so much hell that, you know, it's it's got it's grabbing Booker T's attention and he finally goats Booker T into a match and then it could set up the possible idea of a new general manager for SmackDown if the board doesn't agree that Booker T let you know let let the wrestlers you know you know uh, catch him off guard and he loses his cool and you know because there's been rumors that Vince is going to come back and fire both AJ and Booker and uh, and replace it replace them with a general manager to both run Raw and SmackDown. Um, so maybe this leads to you know. Booker finally losing his cool and finally has a match with Del Rio or he puts his hands on Del Rio and he gets fired as GM. And I just think we'll see a more uh, aggressive, dangerous side to Alberto Del Rio going forward. And maybe it will help build him back up into title contention. Hell, he could move over to the WWE championship side of things, um, depending on, you know, who's the champion. I, I think Punk will have it for a while. So um, maybe he won't, but who knows? I think this, I think this turns out to be uh a tool to build Del Rio once again. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, again, we're in agreement. What a show already. We're just in agreement here tonight. Um, there, he's He's got to be taken out of the title picture now, uh, if not temporarily. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping temporarily because I think Del Rio's got a lot to offer. Um, but at this point, it just, you know, you, you just keep losing. Um, I, I think that's perfect. I think a, a program with uh, Booker T, however brief you want to do it, um, would work. It, it's, you know, the way they're arguing with each other and, uh, you know, uh, Del Rio flinging away Booker T's book uh, with disdain. Um, you know, that, that you know it's kind of setting stuff up that there's, you know, there's definitely bad blood between the two of them. So, um, you know, and that, that more and more, uh, you know, even this whole run, it just seems like, you know, the rivalry was, was building almost more between Booker T and Del Rio than with Del Rio and Sheamus. So, um, you know, that would make sense to go in that direction. Um, you know, Booker T is so over with the crowd. I mean, all you need is Del Rio to do something really heinous to him. Um, you know, maybe he breaks his arm, which, you know, that's going around. In the WWE these days, arms are being broken left and right. So, you know, maybe he, uh, you know, breaks Booker T's arm leading up to a match. Who knows? But uh, I agree with you. I think that the writing's on the wall right now that, uh, you know, that's the direction they're going to go in. And, you know, I, I just think for now he he has to be taken out of the title picture. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense for a guy to be losing this often uh, to be put back in the title picture. Um you got to start building Ziggler as a legit contender. Um, obviously, you know, Orton rumored to be going away for a while, but, you know, Orton's going to want to be in the title picture at some point. Uh, you know, Del Rio, to me, is the odd man out at this point. Like, he just, 
he needs to go off and do something else. And, and you know, going forward for a pay-per-view, I mean, number one, you know, when you talk about these three-hour Raws and, uh, you know, SmackDown, you got five hours of programming to fill. Uh, you know, mid-card kind of conflict going on between Booker T and Del Rio. Entertaining. Mid-card match between the two of them at a pay-per-view. It's entertaining. I look forward to that. You know, both those guys can talk. They can jaw at each other. Um you know, it could it could work. I, I think it could work and like you said, and hopefully we build him up as, as we go on. You know, we're gonna we're gonna change it up. We usually go like the first half hour or so with uh, you know, not going out to the calls, uh and then we, we hit the calls hard. But we have a full bank of phone callers out there and keep them coming. Three four seven eight three eight nine eight one five is that number to call. So we're going to go right out to the phone lines and discuss wrestling with our fans. First off, as always, Tony, are you there? You bet I'm here. How are you doing, fellas? We are doing all right. Tony, the best blogger in the business. Check out thekenreedyshow.com. He throws up blogs for Raw, SmackDown, and Impact each and every week. Insight, opinion, and and just a recap. So if you missed anything, go to our website, check out Tony's blog, uh, what did you think of this past week in the world of pro wrestling? Uh, interesting as usual. Like you were saying, you know, I, I uh, caught Night of Champions too, and I was um, the you know we were talking about the whole broke kick situation. Um, I was even you know like saying you know, it was like it was it was the typical uh, you know it's like okay you know, heel is complaining about a, a deadly finisher. Or he, you know, like so then he has it banned, or you know, it's like I mean, how often have we seen you know, it's like where you, where you have like a heel complaining about a move that you know, oh, gave him a you know, like did whatever, and then you know, whether it be like the heel GM bans the move or whatever, and then um, you know, and and then it's like oh man, the guys at a disadvantage was like, you know, we've seen that. I mean, I, I don't know how often we've seen that in wrestling over the years, and plus, and also you know, it's like. Seamus didn't even need the broke kick, you know. Like, like I think I think you guys were mentioning the last time, um, you know, it's like he's got like four or five other finishers, you know, the Texas Cloverleaf, the uh, the uh, they call it the White Noise, whatever. He's got that. He used to use the uh, freaking Razor's Edge when he uh, when he started out. So it was like the guy's got, you know, it's like the guy's got a few. He's got like a few, a few, you know, four to one finishers. So it's like if he didn't need, if he didn't have the broke kick, it's like it wasn't totally like, oh my. points and and like i said earlier you know if if sheamus was able to win using something else to me it makes sheamus a, a stronger champion and and it gives his character some depth i i just didn't get the reinstating it last minute me either but yeah 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 like i said you know, it was like a, as soon as booker t came out I, I just knew it was like okay he's gonna reinstate the kick it's like <laughs> but uh i thought the match was good you know it was mostly just around like sheamus yeah i know it was mostly um Del Rio uh, working on uh, the arm, working on Sheamus's arm for his, for uh, cross arm breaker, but uh, that I thought that was good and uh, Cena Punk was was off the charts great. Um, that was really good. You know, actually when when uh, the, the finish of that was was really oh my god that, that second rope uh, German suplex that was nuts. It was just like yeah, I actually I had actually I thought Cena had, uh, had won the belt and I was just like and and I was like like really kicked off about that and then it was like wait a minute. So then they gave the belt back to Punk. I'm like, okay, okay, good. <laughs> what did, What did you think comparing like this match to the match in Chicago? Ooh, that's you know that's actually a tough one. I you know, they were both really good. 
I gotta say, you know, but um, I I probably go with the one the Chicago one since it was a you know like a punk's hometown and he and, you know and then he went over and, I, and that one. I probably I probably have to go with that one. Yeah, it's funny because I talked to some. I I kind of agree with you, but it, it part of it, like I I want to watch like both matches. One after the other. I I spoke with someone in the business uh, who who, uh, who wrestles and and works for a wrestling company, um, and and he said that this past match, Night of Champions, was better. Uh, and if you watch, you know how they worked and uh, you know how they uh, the pacing of the match. Uh, he said, if you really watch it, this match was actually better. The big difference was the crowd was so much better, and there was so much with the the, the uh, storyline of the the contract and uh, you know Punk leaving with the belt if he won and and that sort of drama surrounding it that the the drama was bigger, but he yeah. said the match itself was better uh, Night of Champions and it's funny because I kind of feel like uh, you know last year's match in Chicago was better but. Um, you know, who knows? I maybe I'm wrong. It just it was the crowd uh, influence. So I'd like to watch them both over again. But uh, it's interesting, uh, you know, what people might think. What, I mean, Dave, what do you think? Which match was better? Um, I, I would have to agree in the in the sense that the the match in Chicago, Money in the Bank, was better because of the story surrounding it and the match played off better in terms of the storyline. However, I I will say that the match on Sunday in Boston was more crisp as far as technique and hold for hold and move for move. Like, you know, the, the, they, they, these two have gotten better working with each other. Um, if you, if you watch the series of matches that they've had, um, and I'm not going to include the match from raw 1000 because there was a lot of, you know, interference with rock and big show. Um, but if you watch money in the bank, you watch SummerSlam and you watch night of champions, you'll see, that all three of those matches are better as each time goes on. You know, it, when it came to the Money in the Bank match, like I said, the story was surrounding that the two, you know, that Punk was leaving and, you know, the big contract dispute and Cena had to keep the title to save the company. And um, it was a long match. And it, it, was a, it was a good mixture of a lot of technical wrestling, but there was some personal animosity and 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 hatred towards each other and there was some brawling involved. Then you got the unification title match at SummerSlam and there was a lot more wrestling involved in that. Um to see who was the best, who was the better WWE champion. You didn't see a whole lot of uh you know outside action take place between the two of them. And then you got the respect factor now coming into Night of Champions and seeing Punk demanding respect and I think part of that story about demanding respect was CM Punk wanting to demand that he was also a better wrestler than him. So you didn't see a whole lot of, you know, going out to the floor or, or you, know, uh, you know, any kind of brawling take place. Like I said, it just, it, it just keeps getting better and better. They, they work really well with each other. I, I equate John Cena and CM Punk to what, Guys like Steve Austin and The Rock were when they worked together, and guys like, you know, Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker. You know, I think years down the line we'll see at WrestleMania like 38 or something like that. We might see John Cena and CM Punk in like an end of an era type match like we saw with Triple H and The Undertaker. I think these two are cementing their own legacy as a feud 
of being one and rivalry is one of the greatest of all time in the company. Um, I think, like I said, overall, this past match, from a technical standpoint, move for move, hold for hold, was better than the previous two. But the story surrounding the first one was a hell of a lot better. Wow. Andrew, that's, that's high praise for these two. Uh, you got anything else for us, Tony? Well, uh, man, uh, I, well, back to that, I do agree, you know, like the it being in Punk's hometown, the Money in the Bank match, I think, that, you know, was what made it, uh, you know, like the whole drama is definitely what made it better. But, um, you know, Dave, Dave made a lot, you know, he made a hell of a lot of good points there. Um, you know, the other thing is, you know, like I say, you know, CM Punk is always, you know, um, coming out demanding respect and everything, you know, and but, you know, it's like the fans have been changing his name since he, since he, like, since he showed up. Yeah, so it's kind of like a little bit, you know, it's like he wants respect, but, he, you know, it's like, you know, the fans chant his name all the time. But, it, you know, it's, it's like, I guess it's like it's more of like, you know, you see, it's like Cena is more of the poster boy, and, he, and you know, it's like he's getting, um, you know, put on the back burner, you know, as opposed to like when Cena or uh, The Rock show up. Yeah, you know, I guess, and I guess that's what it is. I mean, you know, you're seeing that they're not even using the uh, the WWE Championship belt in the main events at pay-per-views. Um, Tony, always a pleasure. Thanks for tuning in. Again, like I said, best blogger in the business. Check out com for Tony's blog. Look forward to hearing from you next week, Tony. All right. Thanks a lot. Take it easy. And we're going to keep keep going with the phones because uh, we have full bank of calls. I know we, we lost a couple calls. Uh, call us back. Again, we're... Gonna try to get to everybody here. Three four seven eight three eight nine eight one five. We want to hear from you. We're gonna go out because I think there's Mr. Trivia is on the line. Mr. Trivia, are you there? Yeah, I'm here, Ken. How are you doing tonight? Well, we're uh, hanging out. We're doing all right, you know, getting everything ready for the show on Tuesday night. Ox Baker was our host last Tuesday night, and the show went over pretty well. But um, a couple of things I'd like to ha- get you guys' opinions on, and I noticed I was listening to Dave talk before, and he, him and I kind of uh, think along the same same lines, which is kind of scary, anybody thinking like <laughs> me. But um, this thing with the GMs, my prediction, I believe, is that um, um, Booker T and AJ, I believe that before the end of the year is over, they will be fired and replaced by the 16-time world heavyweight champion, the nature boy, Ric Flair. Uh, I believe that's going to happen. CM Punk makes an excellent bad guy. The only thing, my only issue with CM Punk now, the CM Punk John Cena thing, is it's almost like Savage Hogan. How much more of these two guys can you see? Now that John Cena is out for four to six weeks, but we all know that, you know, with the way Cena is, it's probably four to six days because he just gets right back in the ring real quick. Who do you guys see is going to be, like, next in line for, for CM Punk? That's an excellent question, and, and it's funny. Like, I mean, I, I think we're all, like, thinking alike, which is kind of scary because this was, this was in our rundown. You know, we were going to hit this topic, and since you brought it up, we'll, we'll hit it now. Um we were talking before the show about who would be the heir apparent if Cena ever went down with a, a long-standing injury, and uh, I don't know. Uh, to be perfectly honest, it's it's a tough sell. Um, Cena is the way the the company's been run, the way they've established other characters or or lack of establishing other characters. Um, 
it's tough to say who would fit right in there. I agree with you. I love uh, CM Punk as a heel, and I'd want to keep him as a heel. Um, you know, one of the obvious choices would be, well, you know what, let's slot Del Rio over and have him go over, you know, go after the WWE title now. But then that makes Punk a, a face again, and I kind of in, am enjoying him in, the, in this heel persona. Um, right. Yeah, I don't. I mean, Dave. I mean, like, who would you if? Let's just say we we find out. Oh, geez, and I hope not, of course. But oh gosh, you know, the elbow is far worse than we thought, and Cena's out for a year. I, I mean, who who are you placing in that spot? Yeah, that's that that, that that's tough to call. I mean, uh, uh, Mr. Trivia, to, to your, your first comment about Ric Flair being the GM, that, that that has been rumored. I could see that possibly taking place. However. Um, with the lawsuit that's going on between TNA and WWE and Ric Flair's name being a part of the lawsuit, I think they're going to steer clear for him for the time being. Once that all clears up, I think eventually he will be back, but I don't think by the end of the year. Uh, as far as your question goes, um, well, with Randy Orton gone right now doing a movie, uh, I mean, he would be the next logical choice for me to go up against CM Punk. They, they've had great matches together. They, they have good chemistry, uh, but he's filming a movie. And then you have Sheamus, who's another top baby face, but he's the world champion on SmackDown, so you'd have to drop the belt to him. You'd have to, you'd have, to have him drop the belt to maybe Dolph Ziggler. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I think what they would probably do, and it's not the greatest move, but I think it's only going to help them in the sh- it, would, it would help them in the short term, is if they brought back someone like Undertaker or Triple H. I mean, the Undertaker is rumored to be competing at the Survivor Series and making a return. Um, yeah. So maybe they maybe they bump it up a couple of months and bring Undertaker yeah. back early. Yeah, uh, I have two more or, quick things and then I'll uh, then I'll just hang up, guys. Uh, one I'm other, just curious, though, like, wait, but before you go on, I mean, we, we're not in any rush here. With that. Oh, okay. Who, who would you? I mean, just curious, who you would slot in? Well, you know who's really not getting a lot of uh, a lot of push, and he's really a, a pretty good talent is Cody Rhodes. So you turn, I mean, you turn I think, Cody babyface. I, yeah, I, I I could see uh, possibly Cody Rhodes. Um, I don't know. I just have this. I just have this tough time with Dolph Ziggler. I don't know. It's just. I just have this this tough time with him. He he's good. I'll give it to him. He's good, but he's not great. And he's not the kind of guy. Maybe he would. Be, maybe his persona would be better if he got rid of Vicky Guerrero. And just went on his own. I mean, he's he's had some some good matches. As I watch it, I'm uh, really getting disgusted with this SmackDown deal with Daniel Bryant and Kane. Now that's getting a little ridiculous. But um, Dolph Ziggler. I mean, I know the last time I called and we talked about Dolph Ziggler being champion, and I didn't see it happening because he really doesn't put butts in the seats. But now he has the Money in the Bank contract, and you guys know as well as I do being. Uh, wrestling aficionados as we are, uh you don't get you don't get to win money in the bank standing around waiting for a bus. You gotta be a talent. I just I just have a hard time being sold on Dolph Ziggler right now. Hopefully I'll be wrong. Never know. But the other two things that I was talk what I'd like to talk about is um rumors have been circulating about possibly Batista coming back to fight Brock Lesnar. And the second one was um Ken, did you happen to go to Fish Kill yesterday? I, I, I was not there, to be honest with you. I, w- I was so disgusted at what I heard. 
I lost so much respect for my all-time favorite, Hulk Hogan. When I was sent an email yesterday saying that Hulk Hogan was charging people $150 for his autograph, I was appalled. Wow. I mean, granted, the man is the biggest icon in wrestling next to Ken Reedy. And, um, (laughs) but it's just, I mean, the guy doesn't need it. He was paid an exuberant amount, absorbent amount of money to go there. And now I get an email up here in Pennsylvania that I couldn't make it, but, uh, I get an email saying he was charging $150 per person for his autograph. Well, I I mean, again, and, and, you know, I, I don't know how everything panned out with, with Hogan and, and NEW. Um, my understanding, though, is in, in that business of, of signings um, that the promoter pays the wrestler the fee. Yeah. And the promoter makes the money based on the signings and ticket sales. So the price a lot of times can be set by the promoter, not by the talent. So, again, I hope I don't know, and I'm not going to speculate who set the price, but it is within reason that to make back some of Hogan's fee, that the powers that be in NEW set the price at $150 to make to at least try right. and make a profit. All right, guys, well, don't forget, tune into the Top Rope Tuesday nights at 7.30 on WPAA. And also, don't forget, everybody, watch the, listen to the number one show on the Internet, The Ken Reedy Show. Hey, guys, have a great night. Thanks. I appreciate it. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you very much. Yeah, and that's interesting. I mean, I don't, again, I, I don't know. I'm, I've had limited involvement in the, the industry as far as signings and that, you know, I've I've sponsored signings, but limited, limited involvement. My understanding with signings is that, you know, the 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 guy, the wrestler, the talent, he gets his price. Um, once he gets his price, so let's just say, for, and I'm sure Hogan did not come cheap. Don't get me wrong. Hogan's not coming to Fishkill saying, yeah, you know, give me give me five hundred bucks and I'll come in. I mean, I'm sure. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Hogan, you know, cost some, you know, ten, twenty thousand dollars, and I think that's well within reason. So, that being said, yeah, Hogan made his money. Uh, my understanding, though, is once you you sign someone, then that's how the promoters make their money. So let's let's break it down in like easier numbers. You know, if someone's fee is a hundred dollars. Well, let's just say so they're a hundred they're a hundred bucks. So you gotta you know, you want to get uh, Eric Young to come in, and Eric Young's fee is is a hundred bucks. Okay, so you pay him a hundred bucks. You also got to pay for his his travel expenses. So let's just say it's another hundred bucks to get him there. So he's going to cost you two hundred dollars. You're also going to you need to pay for the pictures and printing out of everything. So everything that's needed, the pictures, uh, if you're renting out space. Um, pens for signing, all that other stuff, you need to provide. So what the hell? Let's let's tack on another hundred dollars for all that stuff. So then it's like at three hundred dollars. Okay? Then you gotta you know, you basically then you're saying, all right, well reasonably how many people can Eric Young draw? And you're hoping he draws a lot and then you kinda set the price. 
to make your $300 back. So maybe you set the price at at 25 bucks. So at 25 bucks, uh, you know, once I get 12 people to come and sign, now I'm making a profit. And that's essentially how the business works. So again, I'm guessing, like I'm saying 20, 30,000. I got some info coming into the the show right now that Hogan's fee is $40,000. So it could have been Hogan. I'm not saying there's there wasn't a different business arrangement, but my understanding is that the promoter winds up setting that price. So that price was probably set by the promoter, not by Hogan uh, himself. But who knows? Whatever it is, I mean, I, I've met Hogan. Uh, he's always, you know, every I've met him twice. He was very nice and cordial both times I met him. And uh, you know, $150. I mean, I. I don't know. The other thing you got to take into account too, Ken. That I, you, you might have mentioned. Uh, I, I don't recall, but you know, the last night's show in Fishkill, New York, was held in the minor league baseball stadium. So, uh, from what I read, the attendance was around twenty three hundred people, which isn't bad for uh, a minor league baseball stadium. But because of the size of the venue, you got to figure how much did it cost Northeast Wrestling to rent the baseball stadium out and to pay. You know the, the 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 officials at the stadium, as well as having to pay, you know, the fire marshal for you know the seating arrangements and everything else. I mean, it's you know it, 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 it's not it's not an easy thing to do for anybody that's listening out there that you know thinks that you know oh it's real easy to be a promoter and I could just you know rent, buy a ring and you know rent out a gym at a high school or a, or a YMCA. Believe me, it's not easy, man. You know, I, I've seen some of the inner workings. I know a few people that work inside Northeast Wrestling, and, uh, you know, Hogan's number doesn't surprise me. Um, I know of another guy, um, Rick Flair, who's got a similar number than that, what he charges. Um, so it, it doesn't come cheap. But if you want to draw people to your show and make money, you've got to bring guys who are named talent, and you got to bring present talent, and then you got to feature guys who are future talent. You got to have that like three tier step in in the in the world of indie wrestling. Yeah, and I mean, and, and that was you know, it's funny. I mean, for a fan, um, you know, outside of having to spend that sort of money, I mean, it looked like it was shaping up to be a good show. Um, but like you said, I mean, you got to like these guys. Basically, if you're a star and you have a name, you do not want you're not coming in hoping to make money. You're coming, making money. So Hogan's not coming saying, yeah, I'll come, and then hopefully I sign a lot of pictures so I make my money. Hogan's just getting paid. If there's not one person that shows up in that arena, Hogan's still getting a check. That, that's just how, again, my understanding of the business. I, looking at the flyer for that show, and you had Hogan and Piper, and Matt Hardy and and Rebby Sky and Lita. Don't forget Vader. Vader, uh, Madison Rain, uh, Velvet Sky, uh, Rosita. Um, you know the list went on and on, and it, and it was shaping up to be a real good card. I mean, Lawler was signed for this as well. Um, obviously, was unable to attend. Uh, you know, the the wrestling fan in me was like, "Hey, that, that would be a good show to go to." The uh, the businessman in me really looked at it and I'm like, "How?" How are you going to make money on this? Um, you know, it's uh, 
And look, I love Hogan. And, you know, Hogan might be one of the guys that if I never met him before, that I'd spend $150 to meet Hogan and get an autograph. That being said, I mean, you know, you, you market it as a family event in the suburbs at a minor league stadium. How many fathers, I mean, you know, how many kids are going to really want? I mean, you know, he's Hogan, and I get it. And, and you're not going to find many marks for Hogan bigger than me, except maybe the guy who's got the big tattoo on his back. Not going there. But, Holy Oak Joe. I know that guy. Oh, there you go. Um, but where do you – I mean, I don't know. I don't know if kids are really going to say, Daddy, take me to Fishkill because I want to meet Hulk Hogan. Um, you know, and I don't know how many people in, in this uh, day and age and, and economic times are going to fork over 150 bucks. So uh, I, I – It's more like – Ken, it's more like, Dad, I'm going to Fishkill to meet Hulk Hogan. You know what I mean? <laughs> like they, you won't, you won't hear younger kids say that. You'll hear guys like us like, all right, Dad, I can't make dinner. i got to go to Fishkill. I'm meeting Hulk Hogan. You know? But I, 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 totally, I totally understand what you're saying. Uh, it, it, uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know their books, and, and I'm not, you know, I wouldn't even speculate, but I'd, I'd be curious if they're able to make a profit on that. Cause, uh, well, the businessman and you would like a phone call and an email back, but we won't get into that on this show today. We'll get into it. That, but he could have made like a little bit more money, but uh, you know that's the way things go. Let's let's go back. Uh, oh, we, we lost we lost a caller. Call back, caller. No, no, fine. We'll just we'll keep talking then. Three four seven eight three eight nine eight one five is the number to call. Again, apologies. We just had a full bank of calls. Uh, you know, it's funny. Usually we have them like sprinkled throughout the show, and all of a sudden, you know, we started the show and we had a full bank. So. Uh, we are going to do our damnedest to get to everybody, so please, if if you dropped, or maybe you just dropped and it was technical difficulties, give us a call back at 347-838-9815. Uh, Mr. Trivia made mention, and it's an interesting topic, and uh, you know he said he's sick of Kane and Daniel Bryan, and I was very happy that he said that, only because I'm I'm fearful of that. I am I liked it. I found them entertaining. I, I do. I find this whole segment right now entertaining. And I like the fact that it's spotlighting a tag team. And not only were the, the tag team champions in the main event at, on SmackDown, the main event, not a makeshift tag match with, you know, John Cena teaming up with someone and CM Punk teaming up with someone and throwing that as the main event. No. The legitimate tag champs in the main event in a tag match um, I thought was good for the tag division. Spotlight on the tag division brought all the tag teams out. So if you didn't know who exactly uh, you know is out there in the tag division, you saw them, uh, which I thought was was all good and very very obvious that someone in the WWE is listening to the Ken Reedy show because we've been talking about bringing back some tag team wrestling and someone's listening out there. I guarantee it. But that being said. You know, they had them with Edge in the beginning. You had a few backstage uh, segments. You had, uh, both of them had singles matches. And you had them in the main event. As much as I found it entertaining. Dave, are we getting dangerously close to overkill? Um, not at this point, no. Um, I mean, it's it's over. I mean, I, I mentioned last week that I think this would work in the short term as opposed to the long term with the two of them. After watching this past week, 
I wouldn't. I, I I have to change my opinion on it because I wouldn't mind seeing the two of them go further with this. But it's it's got to reach some point where a couple of things can happen. Number one, I I don't think we're gonna get a, a yes chant or a no chant anymore. I think we're gonna get a I am the tag team champion chant from the crowd. I think they're gonna turn that into a chant at some point. Um, second, I think eventually it's gonna have to lead to Daniel Bryan and Kane. Like it, it, you, we go from. Once you think they're getting along, then they do something stupid, and you know they they, they disagree on something, and it's back and forth. I think eventually it's going to lead to a match with the two of them, where we're going to get sole owners of one of them, the winner is the sole owner of the tag team championship, and then they get to choose whoever they want as their partner. Um, I mean, I didn't see any overkill with it on on. Uh, on, on Friday on SmackDown. However, I did think the opening segment did go a little bit too long. Um, and if you, I, I, from what I read in the spoilers um, on Tuesday when they came out and then watching it air on Friday, it looks like when they aired on Friday that they cut it off at some point because they probably thought, okay, we can't have all this go on TV. And then you came back from commercial and you had Sandow and Kane in a match. So um, I don't see overkill with it right now. As long as it's getting the reaction that they want, um, but I could see Daniel Bryan and Kane being champions for quite a while. Just I just hope it doesn't kill the rest of the division. You know what I mean? I'd like to see some of these other teams, like maybe even the prime time players. If it, they, they attack Mysterio and Sin Cara the other night, and they want to take what's theirs, that's the belts. Maybe this, maybe it's an opportunity for them to get a rub working with guys like Daniel Bryan and Kane. And maybe eventually they will become champions. And then Daniel Bryan and Kane can move on and do their own thing. You know, and it gives oh, Titus O'Neill and Darren Young, a, you know, a, a spotlight to be in. And, and I don't know. I don't see I don't see overkill right now, but it has potential to be. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's close. I, again, I enjoyed it. I found it entertaining. However, I mean, and I didn't look, I didn't analyze the show enough to start to break down percentage of, of minutes, uh, you know, on the show they took up. But if they're on that much doing similar stuff next week on SmackDown and then the week after, yeah, then 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 we're moving into that overkill thing. So, I mean, um, and we've seen that before in the WWE. You know, we got a good thing. Let's just throw as much as we can of the good thing at the crowd and then, it becomes overkill. Um, it's also, I find, it's much different when we when we talk about overkill. It's much different seeing it live and watching it in your living room. You're there live, you get into the yes chants, or you get into chanting "hug it out." Uh, you get into all that. Um, the uh, you know, on your home, watching it on TV, you know, you're not, you know, at least most of us, I'm I'm not chanting in my living room most weeks. I'm not, um, but you know, uh, it's just you know when you when you start to think about how much they were on, um, you know, it could. And I agree with you. I think it could. Uh, it'd be interesting to see where it goes. It's also like you said, you know, a dangerous. It isn't dangerous. It's wrestling we're talking about. But it, they got to find the balance. I love the ending. I thought the ending was awesome when they they finally you know two guys that can't seem to get along like. You know, get along when they're being violent towards everyone else. I, I thought that was great, um, but they got to be careful. Again, you don't want to make the whole tag division look weak. I mean, once you have like these these two guys 
completely destroying the entire division. Well, then we're kind of back where we started from, and nobody can challenge, and then you have basically two single stars that are going to keep the belts, and then, you know, we're going to go back to the, the tag team championship not meaning anything. So um, right now it means something. Right now it's getting getting a spotlight, and, and I mean, I'm a little excited because, you know, all you got to do now is, is fix the uh, IC belt and the U.S. belt, and, and we're on to something, you know, getting everything mattering. And then, like, like we talked about, with the Monday Night Raw, with it being three hours. Now you know what? Midway through Monday Night Raw, you throw the tag champs on. I'm into it. I'm good. I'm, I'm ready to watch, you know, what Daniel Bryan and Kane are going to do. And that helps fill the three hours. Once you start making everything matter, you can fill three hours. The problem is that when you're putting too much filler in the three hours, and then it starts to drag. But uh, we're going to go back out to the phones because uh, – I think we have one, the one and only, uh, Mr. Bob Arian is, is on the line, so let's call him up here. Bob, are you there? Yeah, hi. Hey, what's up, guys? How you doing? How you doing, Bob? Hey, Bob. Okay, hey, Dave, I'm glad you're there, because if it was just Ken, I'd hang up. But uh, I do have something serious to say. Again, Ken, even though, you know, this hurts me to say it because you're a DOD guy, uh, I do respect what you do on this radio show. You're a credit to the business, and uh, kudos to you. You're doing a good thing here. And I also like to uh, send some love out to Jerry Lawler. We're all happy that he's doing fine. And uh, I think the way you handled the uh, whole Lawler situation was very classy, and you did it with a lot of respect. And I do uh, respect you for that, Ken. But Thank from you. now I on, I want to talk to Dave the rest of this uh, okay. talk. But I'll throw the respect back at you. We'll, we'll, we'll keep this kind of uh, a kinder, gentler Ken Reedy show. We're going to try. We're going to try. Okay. Uh, first, uh, <laughs> before I get into I do have something important to say tonight, but uh, I just want to get out there and, and wish Steve off a happy birthday. This is his birthday. We've been going from gala to gala event today. Uh, last night he did win the United States Championship for EPWE Underground based out of Allentown, Pennsylvania. So it's been a good day today, really good day. I'm glad to hear that, Bob. So, Bob, I, uh, we spoke earlier this afternoon, and you have a uh, you have a very important announcement uh, for a special cause that you and Steve Hoffa are a part of. Would you like to uh, elaborate more to the audience on uh, what what, uh, what you guys are a part of? Yes, I would. I, I mean, you know, pro wrestling is pro wrestling, but every time, you know, sometimes real life does happen. You saw what happened to Jerry Lawler, and thank God he's okay. Um, for the last five years we've been involved with walk for wishes it's a make a wish foundation you can check their website at www.walkforwishesnewjersey.org um on saturday october 13 2012 at 10 a.m we will be doing a walk we are part of a team called harold's heroes and registration starts at 8 30 in the morning at liberty state park 200 Audrey Zap Drive, Jersey City, New Jersey, 07305. Uh, give you a little history about this. Um, Steve and I, along with everybody from BWO, started walking in uh, 2008, uh, the year a good friend of ours, Howard Wrightington, a uh, young boy from our community, passed away. And uh, we, we do that in his honor. And uh, basically what uh, Walk for Wishes does is any child out there that's dying, they give them their wish, whether it's go to WWE event, go to the Super Bowl, go to Disney World, whatever they want. Walk for Wishes 
does a wonderful thing for these kids. And uh, when we're at this event, we put all our differences aside. You got heels, you got faces, you got guys from other feds. And when these kids see you as a pro wrestler, they don't care if you've been in WWE or where you've been. You're a pro wrestler. You're a hero in their mind. And just to see the effect you have on these kids that want to take pictures with you, hold the belt. And, you know, we're all striving to make it to the big show, WWE. But to see that you're just an independent worker and these kids are looking at you like you've been in the WWE really sends a message home. Uh, I'm going to put Steve on now right now because he's got a little more history he can give to you about our involvement with Walk for Wishes, which I urge everybody to join Harold's Heroes. Here's Steve. Gentlemen, gentlemen, how's it going? All right, Steve. Happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you. All right, so basically the Walk for Wishes started, like he said, we did a show for a young man named Harold who had a brain tumor, and, you know, we did everything we could to make him happy. Obviously, there's nothing we could do for him health-wise, but... You know, just putting a smile on the kid's face, you know, BWO did an event for him. We gave him a replica of our heavyweight title belt, and, you know, we got him tickets for a WWE event. He wound up going to the Super Bowl and to Disney World, and, you know, just the things that the Make-A-Wish Foundation does for these kids is awesome. You know, I mean, obviously, I'm sure everyone wishes they could do more health-wise, but, you know, just to put a smile on a kid's face that really doesn't have much to smile about, you know, it's just a good thing, and I wish I could do more. I wish I had the power to do more like that. Unfortunately, I don't right now. Maybe someday I'll get to the point where I do, but I definitely, like he said, urge everybody to check out the Walk for Wishes, join Harold's Heroes, join another team if you'd like. Just do something to contribute to the cause. You know, put a smile on at least one kid's face. Walkforwishes.nj.org and join Harold's Heroes. Or, you know what, if you'd prefer to join another team, fine. Just, you know... Just make a donation to something and, and, you know, some kind of good cause, somebody who needs your help. That's awesome, Steve. I, I, I have unlimited amounts of respect for you for what you do for the wrestling business, but for you and Bob and, you know, all the BWA guys, it grows even more as, you as, as uh, you know, you've explained about how, uh, you know, you guys are involved in the Walk for Wishes and, you know, yep. um, we'll keep promoting it on our show here. And uh, we'll keep spreading the good word for Make-A-Wish. And uh, we're glad that uh, you brought this to our attention because, you know, it's home for us, too. Uh, We appreciate you coming on and uh, promoting this big event. And like I said, um, you know, Godspeed, brother. Thank you very much for for doing this. All right, man. Thank you, and thanks for your help. Anytime, anytime. You already know that. You have a good one. All right, man. You too. Take care. Thanks. Take care, guys. You know, a good cause, and, and you know, we, we keep it, uh, try and keep it a little, a little more amicable with, uh, you know, us, even though we're, we kind of fall on, on different sides of uh, the ledger, so to speak. But, um, you know, we'll try and get a, a link for uh, a Walk for Wishes. We'll try and get that up on the website as well. Uh, you know, great cause, and, uh, you know, good for them. And then, you know, for, you know, and for Steve, I mean, I'll commend him on his birthday, coming on and, uh, you know, promoting stuff. You know, essentially for other people. So uh, good for him. And uh, we'll get that link up. Uh, again, walk for wishes. Um, good stuff. And uh, I guess Steve's making some headway, uh, you know, wearing a little bit of gold. I guess uh, it's good for him, huh, Dave? Yeah, no, that is good. Uh, he's he's bounced back since his uh, departure from uh, wrestling from a few months ago with uh, the, the fiasco in the BWO. And, uh, you know, he's uh, he's moving up. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm proud. I'm, I'm, I'm 
proud for him, and, uh, you know, glad to be a part of the revolution in the off-army and seeing Steve off move up and onwards in the wrestling business. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, anytime you can kind of start to uh, stockpile gold, I mean, we've had Tristan on, and, and same thing, he's trying to stockpile the gold, and, and Steve uh, putting some more gold around his waist, and, uh, you know, obviously I don't think, uh, you know, you know how I feel and where I stand, I mean, don't think he has much of a chance, but don't think he's done with uh, Tristan. I'm sure he's going to, uh, you know, try to make an attempt to uh, go after that championship uh, again at some point in the future. Um, but again, good cause. Uh, walk for wishes. Uh, check that out. We'll try and get that link up on the website. But now, uh, with all the news and what's going on in this wacky business, we love wrestling. Here's the Day 5 News Report. Thank you very much, Ken. This is the Day 5 News Report, only heard on the Ken Reedy Show. Our top story this week, should I stay or should I go? This story has made the rounds online this week as PWInsider.com first reported that TNA star Jeff Hardy is strongly considering leaving TNA when his current contract expires in a few months. PW Insider also states that Hardy is looking to make one more big money run in the WWE as he has had lost a lot of money dealing with his legal struggles in recent years. To rebut those claims, WrestleZone.com states, although Hardy is considering the jump back to WWE, he would like to take some time off to heal his body. Reportedly, Hardy is in good financial standing that he can afford to take time off and is in no rush for the next big paycheck. According to PWInsider.com, TNA is doing whatever they can to keep Hardy as he is the top draw in merchandise sales and is probably the reason why he won the Bound for Glory series. There has been talk of TNA putting the TNA title on him to persuade him to stay with the company. On a final note, Jeff's brother Matt was asked on Twitter this week about the situation and he states, Jeff doesn't want or need a lot of money. Time will tell as to the future of one Jeff Hardy. In our second story, WWE and All Japan Pro Wrestling have reached a working agreement for a possible talent exchange, and if that goes well, then All Japan Pro Wrestling could be the new one of the new developmental territories for WWE. The deal was brokered through the former executive vice president of talent relations and general manager of Raw and SmackDown, Mr. John Laurinaitis, last month on WWE's tour of Japan. The plan as of now calls for the use of all Japan talents to be used on a popular cruiserweight themed show for the upcoming WWE Network, as well as Big Show appearing for All Japan Pro Wrestling and legendary Japanese superstar The Great Muda appearing for the WWE. No word on when this talent exchange and working relationship will begin. Reportedly, a top WWE diva has wished herself well in her future endeavors, as Beth Phoenix will be parting ways with the company when her contract expires in October. Her last advertised appearance is listed for a live event in East Rutherford, New Jersey on October 22nd, coincidentally the home of WrestleMania 29. Our fourth story, WrestleZone.com reported this week that the WWE is playing with the idea of reforming the Nexus stable. WWE was shocked to hear Nexus chance last Monday on Raw during the Wade Barrett-Justin Gabriel match. Two reasons behind this possibility are that they want to provide another opportunity to Wade Barrett to be booked in a strong leadership role as he did very well the first time around, and the Nexus name and brand sold a lot of merchandise during the initial run as a group. 
The plan right now is if the chants continue to get louder, that they will con- that the company will continue to develop possible creative ideas in reforming the group. But there is no confirmation on our end if the group is coming back, but the idea has been put on the table. And in some more interesting news from TNA, to close out this Newsweek, WrestlingNewsSource.com is reporting that Twitter purchases brands for some of their Twitter followers to serve as a form of advertising. According to WrestlingNewsSource.com, someone recently did an audit of TNA's Twitter followers and found that of their 189,000 followers, only 27,639 of them are real and the rest are fake in the sense that they went and purchased them. Ah! I cracked the case. I knew there was some offbeat shenanigans taking place. <laughs> Representatives from TNA have not spoken publicly on those claims at this time. And of course, our friends, you heard them, Bob Arian and Steve Off, along with Mr. Rapundo. They are known as the Gun Show. Check them out on YouTube, YouTube slash Steve Off. And of course, you heard Bob Arian and Steve Off talk about a great cause, Walk for Witches, Saturday, October 13th at Liberty State Park. Jersey City, New Jersey, and Bob Arian, Steve Off, and others from the world of professional wrestling will be walking for Make-A-Wish. The walk starts at 10 a.m. Go to www.walkforwishesnj.org and join Harold Heroes. A $25 registration fee is required, but that is a small price to pay for a smile on a child's face. There you have it for your top story this week in professional wrestling. This has been the Day 5 Report. Ted, back to you. Wow, lots of lots of interesting stuff. Um, man, it's weird. Like Beth Phoenix actually uh, going away. I like Beth Phoenix. I think she's, uh, you know, figures. I guess the WWE. She's a good female worker, so we, you know, better not use her and make sure she's unhappy and gets gets lost. Yeah, I guess they don't appreciate certain talent. Nah, uh, I don't know what to say. I, I've always liked Beth Phoenix. I'm sure she'll pop up somewhere else. Uh, who knows a lot of these guys? Because as we were talking before with. Uh, you know, signings and what have you. Uh, there's a lot of money out there for these guys who have established a name. And uh, for some of them, if they've done all right with their finances, you know, it, uh, you know, it makes sense. You can make your own schedule. Uh, you set your fee. Uh, who knows if we'll see Beth Phoenix uh, either go away completely, uh, pop up on the indie circuit, or, uh, you know, pop up in TNA. But I, I doubt that's going to be the last we see of her. Uh, we're gonna. We still. We have some phone callers on the line, so we're gonna go right back out to the calls. And I see this, and uh, do believe this is the champ, Tristan Law. Tristan, are you there? Oh my God! Are you there? I'm here. Oh, there you are. I thought we had a bad connection. How you doing, champ? Oh, not not, not doing bad at all. I've been listening since you uh since you started at six o'clock, and I thought that you you had to put the trump on first. You know um. It's, I have to say that it's very unfortunate that, that the guy couldn't beat me at the last PWO show, that he had to go elsewhere to look for gold. So let me just say this. If those people from, from EPWE are listening, <laughs> Steve Off, I want your belt as well, too. Anything you got, I want it. You have girls, I want it. You have houses, well, you really don't have houses because you're only U.S. champ, and the world is bigger than the U.S. But you know what? You have a house, I'll take that as well, too. And Ken, I want you right as I think you while we're laughing. But are you um? So is that the, the goal? Like, is that uh, Tristan Law's goal is just to amass as as much goal and just uh, you know take over the the independent scene? Of course. Like, why 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 
why would anybody not want gold around their waist? You know how so much where, gold where is worth these days? That's a good point. Where else can we see you now? Where where's uh where's Tristan Law um going off to to try and amass more gold? Oh man, uh ECPW, you know, end up way you know, just everybody, you know, everybody just calling off the hook. So, you know, we're just right now in negotiations, you know, my people and their people to see what we can do to 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 get a deal going on so I can come in and rob the champions of their belt. Yeah, key word, Rob. Speaking of that, I'm, I'm curious, and you, you just brought it up, um, and I'm curious your opinion on the the landscape of professional wrestling. Uh, you know, with the NWA on fire TV show uh, coming out, how do you think that'll affect uh, you know the world of wrestling as a whole, and and also the independent wrestling scene? Well, you know, I think it's it's going to be something new on TV. I've actually been on their TV show before. You know, you could actually, if you go back in the archives, you can see me smash a guy by the name of Roadblock. Um, but, you know, I think it's a good venue to, to present new wrestlers on television. Definitely, because, you know, everybody in WWE and TNA, everybody's probably getting a little bit tired of seeing them. So, you know, let's give the fans something new. You know, but there's also other other companies on the internet, on the internet as well that are using technology to the advantage that are putting professional wrestling shows on the internet. Because these days, everybody doesn't have time to sit in front of the TV and watch wrestling. So you can watch it on the go on your smartphone, on your tablet, you know, in the back of your limo. Like, that's how I watch wrestling, on the back of my limo on my tablet. So, you know, BWO, we're getting ready to do big things as well, too. You know, so everybody just has to keep their eyes open because wrestling's being changed, especially indie wrestling. How important is, I mean, you know, is technology, maybe, you know, with, with YouTube and everything, uh, you know, maybe the most important thing to to affect the world of, of independent wrestling uh, over the past like twenty, thirty years. Yeah, I agree because everybody says on the territory says the territory is that, but you know, times times change, and and with with indie wrestling, you know, instead of being just in one area because of the internet, you can be you can be worldwide. You know, with the time constraints of YouTube, you know, you can put up to a thirty minute show on YouTube even longer. Um, so you can put one or two wrestling matches on your promote storylines, you know, have a normal following, you know, outside of the normal area that you would reach. You know, also I know as well, uh, from, 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 I heard from a little birdie that PWO as well is actually getting more in the technological scene, you know, when it comes to their website and Twitter and Facebook and the whole entire nine. So, you know, they're going the right direction. You know, everybody, anybody else that's not on the bandwagon, you better catch up. Because you know, the internet's going to be the way to go, especially when it comes to indie wrestling. Interesting, yeah. I mean, and again, just even talking about our, our own show. I mean, it's amazing that you know who we can reach just you know doing the show. I mean, the internet it's it's worldwide. I mean, we're we're big in Malta. Exactly. Because like so. ten years ago, you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to do something like this. You'd have to know somebody in a radio show, and you'd only be on a local scope. Now you're like pretty much worldwide. Anybody that has access to some kind of internet-enabled device is able to listen to you worldwide. So, you know, that's called taking the technology, you know, and embracing it and using it to your advantage. Because stuff like this, it doesn't cost that much money to use. You just have to have a little bit of know-how. And, and there you go. You have yourself the Ken Reedy Show, you know, stuff like that. It's pretty amazing. So, I, you know, for those of us who aren't going to watch it or those people who might not be watching it online, uh, where can we see uh, Tristan Law wrestling in the upcoming months? Oh, man, the next time you can see me wrestle is at uh, 
is that uh, I have a show at BWO and I have a show at ECPW. Uh, the next BWO show is uh, October 20th. Uh, for my dates on ECPW, you can always check out my website, www.tristanlaw.com, or find me on Facebook, uh, facebook.com uh, slash TristanLaw fan page. Oh, by the way, you remember the cage match that was supposed to take place in the summer? Yes. It's been rescheduled. What's the date on that? It's been rescheduled through December 1st, same exact place in the uh, Orange County Fairgrounds. Don't worry, it won't be outside. But that night, I don't think people need to bring their jackets because the cage match will be hot, 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 because your boy, Tristan Law, is in the cage match. That's right, people. Obey the law. Tristan Law, that's me, will be in the cage match. Nice. And be sure to follow Tristan on uh, at Obey the Law at Twitter. Uh, always a pleasure, champ. Thanks for giving us a call. All right. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Take it easy. Yeah, I mean, he brings up really good points, and, and even with the show, I mean, the Internet, uh, you know, there's TV, there's the Internet. Um, you know, the landscape is changing, and it's interesting that, um, you know, when you think about wrestling right now, I do think there's a, a large percentage of uh, fans out there that, that kind of want to see something new. And uh, uh, with the Internet and, and with uh, you know, companies like the NW on Fire getting TV deals, um, interesting time period to be a wrestling fan. I'd love to have a time... Uh, traveling machine and, and, you know, project out like five, ten years and see what the business is like uh, as technology continues to uh, improve. But, you know, running the theme we have going tonight and keeping just just the gold uh, continuing to, to come in. On the line we have the NWA on fire heavyweight champ Brian Fury. Uh, Brian, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing very well. How about yourselves? Doing great. Um, so curious, you know. Uh, I know we're going to be showing the match uh, coming up on the upcoming uh, TV show, but how'd your match go with Makua? Match was excellent. We were in the middle of a typhoon up there in Maine, uh, but the matches still went on. We were undercover. Uh, great crowd, great audience. A lot of people there to see all the action that unfolded. I don't really want to give too much away, as everything will unfold over the television products over the next couple of uh, weeks and stuff. So uh, keep your eyes peeled to the website. Uh, keep your eyes peeled to the television product as well. Uh, what do we have to look forward to? I mean, now that we're going to get, like, a, a TV audience uh, getting to see what, what Brian Fury is, is all about, like, if you could say something to uh, people who are thinking about tuning in to the NWA on Fire TV program, uh, what can we look forward to seeing out of you? Uh, out of me, I am probably the most intense person that's ever stepped foot in a wrestling ring, whether it be on the independent level or on the uh, main stage level. Uh, I bring an intensity so much so that the uh, NWA on fire uh, decided to start calling me Mr. Intensity. I have an icy cold stare, and I have a very, very wicked mean streak, um, unlike anything a lot of people have ever, ever seen before. Very, very cold-hearted, and I like to... Uh, beat people up, and I like to uh, hurt people, and I'm also capable of doing uh, numerous other uh, high-flying and technical-type aspects as well, uh, if need be. But pretty much, I just like to uh, pound people. Wow. So uh, it sounds like you just enjoy inflicting pain. <laughs> yes, very much so. Uh, who, you know, going forward, you know, coming out, I mean, Makua challenged you for the belt. uh what are some of the other guys in, in the NWA on fire uh, that, that could possibly challenge you for uh, the heavyweight strap? Uh, the thing with the NWA on fire is that there's so many different people uh, there 
that, as Makua showed, at any point in time, anybody could kind of throw their uh, hat into the circle and declare themselves number one contender or uh, get a shot. Um, so it could be anybody from Nick Fahrenheit to Scotty Slade to Jive and Jimmy to you know anybody there on the roster. Uh, I know um, Lawless made his debut not too long ago, and um, he could be another guy up and coming as well. Um, it's tough to be on the top of the mountain, you know, with everybody trying to climb up and uh, come after me. So I try not to uh, look at a couple of individuals. I kind of look at the whole roster and just hope that uh, I'm able to stay there. Is there anybody on the roster that worries you? No. <laughs> no. Come on. Let's, let's get serious here. Uh, the, there's a reason why I'm the champion there, and that is because uh, there aren't many people there that are at my level. There aren't many people anywhere that are at my level. Um, so I'm not too worried about anybody. But don't get me wrong, you know, the sun can shine on anybody on any given day or night. Um, but, you know, rest assured, if I were to ever lose the title, I would get it back not too long afterwards. And that's just exactly what happened, you know, about a year ago when I recaptured the title from Julian Starr. So basically you're saying if, if there's any chance, I mean, you're saying there's little chance that anyone could take the strap from you, but if they did, it would just be a fluke. Correct. Interesting. Tough words. Um, let me, uh, you know what, I'd like to switch gears uh, briefly. You know, we, we talked uh, last week you were on the show, and we talked about, uh, you know, you run a, a school out in New England. Um, you had a, a pupil who got a tryout on a TNA's gut check. I was curious, as an instructor, what did you think of Evan's match? I thought Evan did excellent, actually. It's hard for a lot of people to watch a match like that, where he drew a very talented, tough individual in uh, Doug Williams. And, you know, Evan's still just a young kid, 18 years old, stepping out into the giant world of professional wrestling now. Um, a lot of people watching will just say, write him off as nothing. Like, hey, he just got killed. Doug Williams really kind of ate him up and did anything. But to the trained eyes, people that kind of know about wrestling and what goes into matches and everything along those lines, they'll see that he had a charisma to him. He got the crowd to notice him. Uh, he had uh, a lot of great ring positioning, footwork, things along those lines, things that he can build upon at only 18 years old uh, with five years' experience already. Uh, and hopefully that the people that make the decisions, you know, Al Snow, Taz, and Bruce Pritchard were watching those things as well because, you know, if he does get signed to that TNA contract, he gets sent to Ohio Valley Wrestling, which is the TNA developmental deal, and they can build on what they've already seen. Um, he showed a lot of that there and for the national audience to see, and hopefully uh, they can help take him to that next level. Um, you said he showed a lot. I'd like just maybe one or two things specifically as a teacher. What was like something specific in the match that you really liked seeing at Evan? Uh, facials. Uh, a lot of people, kind of when they get in the ring, especially when they get put under hot pressure of live television in front of a huge, uh, not only studio audience, but, you know, national television, over a million people watching, people kind of uh, freeze up and whatnot or kind of go back into their shell. Uh, Evan kind of blossomed a little bit more, I think. Uh, a lot of good facials, a lot of good um, really showing the crowd uh, everything that was going through his mind before the match, everything that was going through his body during the match, you know, mostly being pain and whatnot. But I think, uh, you know, that was like one of the biggest things that he really showed. It's cool. It's interesting because as you talk, I'm like thinking about the match in a, in a different way. Um, have you have you talked to Evan since his match? 
Yeah, I've, I've spoken with Evan. I actually was on a show with him last evening in Massachusetts, and, you know, he was kind of – he's excited. You know, he's telling me, you know, the differences because uh, we've both also done work for WWE, and I was telling me, like, some of the differences, like, backstage at TNA to, to backstage at WWE and whatnot. Um, and so I was just kind of, you know, shooting the breeze with him, more or less. You know, I don't want to put any pressure on the kid. He, he knows what's coming up in front of him this Thursday, so – I don't, I don't need to put pressure on him or anything. You know, he did everything he had to do up until this point, so we just kept the conversations very light. That's cool. Does, does he seem happy with his performance? Is he is he uh, you know is he one of those guys very, that's excited, or is he like a nitpicker on his own stuff? Well, I mean, he, he is a nitpicker on his own stuff, but you know, he knows that uh, he's very excited about the performance and what has happened thus far. I mean, it's a huge opportunity for him, obviously, uh, regardless of whether he gets signed right now or not. He knows he's only 18 years old, and he knows that, you know, he has such a long, long, long road ahead of him, whether he gets signed or not, that he knows this isn't, like, his only chance or his last chance or only opportunity at getting signed to one of these big companies. Uh, he knows he did well via the feedback he got from some of the veterans backstage there as well as some of the people that he knows around here have said to him. Um, so, you know, he's he's in good spirits. He's He's very happy. That's good stuff. I mean, it, it sounds cool. It sounds like he's got a good head on his shoulders, which is is great to hear that he's he's grounded. Um, before we let you go, very, just, uh, very, he's very grounded, and I'll say one more thing: he's very lucky uh, to think about it. Like he's 18 years old, and in his first year of being 18, he appeared on SmackDown in a, a match against Ryback with me as his partner, and now he's appeared on TNA. So he's been on both of the major companies within his first year of being able to do so. So it, you know, that's Pretty unremarkable, if you ask me. Yeah, that's that's a that's a good year at eighteen. Um, <laughs> yeah. Before we let you go, uh, where can uh, wrestling fans see you in the uh, next upcoming weeks and months? This coming weekend, I am wrestling for Chaotic Wrestling uh, in Lowell, Massachusetts, on Friday night, and then in Littleton, New Hampshire, on Saturday night. Uh, coming up in the month of October, I am wrestling for. Um, New England Frontier Wrestling uh, against Christian Frost for their heavyweight title. I'll be wrestling for Connecticut Wrestling Entertainment uh, against AJ Cruz, as well as a couple more appearances uh, for Chaotic Wrestling and a couple other uh, various promotions and whatnot. I try to keep pretty busy. Very cool. Uh, thanks a lot uh, for the phone call. Looking forward to seeing you and working with you and, and being on TV. And uh, hope to get you on the show uh, in the future. Excellent. Thanks for having me again. Take it easy. Bye. And there you have it, NWA on fire, heavyweight champ. Uh, that's cool stuff, Dave. I mean, uh, it, you know, it's it's interesting how like certain things. And and I watched Gut Check. You watched Gut Check, and uh, thought Evan was good. I, I wasn't like blown away. I, I thought he was good. I thought like knowing that he's eighteen, like you know, this kid has a tremendous upside. Um, but then when you hear someone in the business and talking about it, and when he just said, Ed, you know, the facial expressions. And then, like, I started kind of remembering things. I'm like, you know what? Like, yeah, just by his, his face, he was selling, getting his ass kicked. And one of those silly little things that people who don't get in the ring, you know, maybe don't look at, but just facially selling that, uh, you know, you're in pain, uh, you know, is, is a big deal. And, and he did do a really good job with that. And that, you know, difficult spot. I mean, he didn't, um, you know mount much offense in that match and uh you know he he sold the beating well so 
you know, I, I thought uh, Brian brought up some some excellent points as far as uh, you know Evans' performance and and the positives surrounding his performance. Yeah, um, like I, I do agree with you. I, I wasn't blown away. I didn't really get to see much um, because he. But what he did do with you know selling the uh, you know the the beating that he was taking, he did pretty well. And you know I think I think too with with TNA, I think what they're trying to market with these gut checks, not only to to see what kind of talent is out there, but also too there it's a television show at the end of the day, and they're trying to sell you know a, a story. And it seems like with some of these gut check performers, um, you know. Like they, they, you know, Evan Markopoulos, you know, he's 18 years old. He's only been wrestling for five years. It's a, it's a big opportunity for him at such a young age. Um, and like you said, he's got a tremendous upside just on his age alone. Um, but then there was some other guy that was before him. I forget the guy's name, and he's pretty forgettable. But the only thing I couldn't forget about was the fact that, I mean, the story was good. And you know he had like nine kids, and he was his wife wasn't working. They were you know he was the only source of income. He was wrestling on the weekends. He didn't have a nine to five job or anything like that. And this was a big opportunity for him to you know put food on the table. And then he got out there, and it was like he looked like it was the first time he ever got in the ring. He was terrible. Like with all due respect to the guy, if you listen to our show, I think he was terrible. He looked lost out there. He just didn't know. I don't know if it was the pressure of being on live television, or you know, he just wasn't as good as he says he was in 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 the in the hype in those video packages. It's it seems like they're they're, they're selling a story, which is good in some ways, but at the same time, you know, you also got to be. You also got to be blown away by the in-ring work. There was another guy, I think, that was attacked by, like, the aces and eights. He had, like, some, like, skateboarder look to him. I forget the guy's name. Sam something or whatever. And he didn't really wow me in the ring either, but he didn't really wow me on the mic as well. Like, he didn't have but some sob story. I mean, it's good that you got that depth, and and, and it gives the audience something to, you know, attach to and, and, and a story. But, you know, at the end of the day, you got to match up in the ring and – uh you know, it seems like some of these guys um, didn't really match up too well from, you know, the beginning, you know, from their ring work to, uh, you know, the, um, the the hype in the video. It just didn't seem like it was, you know, I wasn't wowed by anybody with these gut check segments. Yeah, and it, it's interesting. I mean, and you wonder also, like, what what it is. Like, is it lack of talent on some of these guys? Is it, like you're saying, the spotlight of live TV, you know? I mean, we'd all like to say we'd come through under pressure. All of us, you know, and we daydream about situations. You know, none of us daydream about striking out in the bottom of the ninth inning with the bases loaded down by a run. We we fantasize about hitting the home run. But who knows? You know, if someone came to me right now, and it's also like you're given a time constraint, um, you know, if someone came to me right now and said, you know, we're we're going to sign you to Sirius XM. You're going to do your show on Sirius XM. Well, you're up for it. You're up for a contract. You get a half hour to run your show on the air, and we're all going to sit there and judge it go. I'd love to think I'd kick some ass. I really would. Yeah, no, it's great. Yeah, I would. But that being said, it's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure, and especially for a lot of these wrestlers. I mean, when you go on the indie scene, look, some of these guys are very you – know, they're great guys. They're well-adjusted. They have uh, day jobs. Some of these guys, you know, it's a tough road. It's tough living. 
And man, you know, getting that spot on live TV and wrestling for that contract to finally, you know, it might be a lot of pressure for these guys. And as we've talked about also, you know, the other guy in the ring. We were talking before with, with John Cena and CM Punk, you know, becoming a classic rivalry. Um, those guys are, are developing a certain chemistry with each other. You know, where's the chemistry aspect? You know, what are these guys like behind the scenes? Um, you know, all this stuff comes into play. I, I would hope, I would think that the the directors at TNA, you know, really go and try and find the best of the best on the indie scene. Um but I'm curious what happens, because I, I agree with you. I thought Evan did an admirable job, and I, I would sign Evan. I would sign Evan based on the upside I see. I think the kid's got a lot of potential. And at 18, I mean, when you think about it, like you get this kid at 23, and he'll have 10 years' experience in the business. You sign him. Send him out to developmental. You know, however long. I mean, at 23, he'd have 10 years' experience. Tremendous upside on this kid. Tremendous. I mean, he'll be 10 years in the business, and he'll still be about five years away from his prime. That's pretty amazing. Um, but the the guy before him, and I, I'm brain farting on his name, too. I I was unimpressed. Like, he, he just didn't do anything. There was nothing about him that made me think, yeah, give, give him a shot. The story so, was good. What was that? The story was good, you know. Yes, the story he, was great. The, yeah, the story like almost made you want to cry, or like before he even got in the ring, it's like that guy deserves a contract. And then when he got in the ring, it was like this guy's a wrestler. That's like, what was. I mean, I wanted to. Like, I'm watching the story, and I, I want to. Like, I want to like this guy. I, I was I, I was ready to sign him up off the story. Like, I just wanted to like him, and I, I just thought he he did nothing. So um. You know, if I and I know there's a, there's a Facebook page. I don't know exactly if it's facebook.com slash gutcheck, but I know there is a a gutcheck page out there on Facebook. And there was a poll, and uh, Evan was was leading in the yes department as far as uh, you know fans voting um, whether he should get a contract or not. So uh, good luck to him. Like I said, I think the the upside is tremendous for this kid, and we'll see what happens. We're gonna run right back out to the phones. Call, are you there? Hello. 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 I'm here. Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I have a question for you. I am a long-time wrestling fan, and um, I was away for a while. I was big into NWA in the 70s and the old WWF with Bob Backlund and Sam Martino, and I'm just starting to watch it again. And I am, you know, it's different. It's totally a different vibe. It's more of like my version of, Real Housewives of New York, you know, it's my soap opera, um, and I'm just going to ask a couple questions, and I'm going to hang up and let you, um, you know, just listen to you, but um, I think the most exciting two wrestlers that I'm identifying with right now are Daniel Bryan and definitely Ryback, and I think Ryback is awesome, so my question is, um, why do you think Daniel Bryan is being mired in the um, whole thing with Kane. It doesn't make sense to me. And then um, Ryback, where do you see him going? Is this someone that WWE can develop? Because to me, he's just um, super exciting, and I'm going to hang up. Thanks a lot. And then, um, oh, thank you. Um, good questions. Um, let's start with the Ryback thing, because, uh, you know, they, you can hear the chants in the arena. Uh, Ryback is... Uh, 
you know, it's kind of a Goldberg thing. Um, you know, I don't want to throw too much disrespect and say a Goldberg clone, but it's definitely, a, you know, someone was going through a filing cabinet and saw, hey, look, why don't we do this again? Um, but, he, you know, he does the Goldberg thing well. Uh, they're definitely moving him into the IC title picture, it looks like, um, which is good because it'll make some things matter. And, you know, what? It'll, it should make the IC title matter. And maybe it makes uh, Miz matter a little more. Um, future, I, I'm not sure. The biggest problem when you set up a streak like this is how to end it. And every match that Ryback wins, it makes it tougher for him to lose. Um, so I, I, I would see him, it would not shock me at all to see him with the IC title in the not-too-distant future. Um However, I mean, Dave, what do you think? Like, where do you see, you know, fast forward a few years, or where where do you see Ryback? Um, I see him as the top level babyface. I don't see him like in the in the John Cena category. Um, but I mean, I see him as as a guy that you know, like similar to Goldberg, that you know, kids look up to him because he's you know this larger than life superhero like character. Um, it's going to take some time for him to get to that point. I think they're starting that now with him being put in a meaningful angle with um, with The Miz and it being for a title. Um, the difference between him and Goldberg is that with Goldberg, they were embellishing the streak. They're not really embellishing. They're not like they were marking up wins every week. I mean, and, and Goldberg was working house shows at that time for WCW too. And if you wanted to, if you, if you wanted to really go with a streak, he would have been like four thousand and zero. <laughs> he was working, you know, all these all these different shows. They're not really doing that. They're 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 more or less putting over how dominant he is. They I haven't really heard anything about a streak or anything like that. Uh, watching him on television. Um, I could I could see him eventually becoming a champion at some point. I don't know if it's a, a world champion or a WWE champion. I think what would if they want to get him to that point. I mean, I think they would have to keep him in the mid card for a couple of years, I mean, three years, four tops, and then he would have to. I mean, and over that time period, he would have to align with baby faces like John Cena or and Sheamus or if Randy Orton's still a baby face, and he gets that rub and. The casual wrestling fan, not necessarily the hardcore wrestling fans like myself and most of our listeners on the show, then they would identify with Ryback and be like, okay, he's a big deal now because he came out to save John Cena and he wrestled The Miz for the Intercontinental title. You know what I mean? Like, you know, to us, we we, we break it down and we think differently um, of where we would like it to go, where we think it's going to go. Uh, I could see him eventually being in the main event picture. He's just got to get in there and, and uh, you know, it's, it, he's just got to get in there and, and, and work with, uh, you know, uh, certain guys. But at the same time, he's also going to have to adapt, too, because since April, he's basically been working with either enhancement and talent slash jobbers, or he's been working with lower-level mid-card talent like Jinder Mahal and Heath Slater. And now they're putting him in a meaningful program, so this is where the real test is for Ryback to see if he's going to be able to hang with the big dogs and and move up to the next level. And eventually, I mean, the you know, the feed me more chance that's working, the, the crowd's into it. That's why they changed his music up a little bit so they can get the crowd into him um, and, and steer away from the Goldberg chance. I don't think the Goldberg chance will ever go away, but I think over time um, you'll, you'll hear him less and less. Uh, but he's going to have to 
uh, over time he's going to have to change at some point, whether it be his character, repertoire. I'm not saying he's going to have to be a completely different person, but he's going to have to evolve like most guys do. I mean, John Cena was, you know, when he first came out, was just this aggressive, clean-cut, good-looking baby face. Then he went to being, you know, the, the thugonomics rapper gimmick, and now he's just, you know, all-American good guy John Cena. You know what I mean? So Ryback's going to have to eventually, if they're going to look at him and market him as a top guy over the years, he's going to have to evolve over time. Um, I could see it eventually happen, but it's going to take some time for him. Yeah, I agree with you, and I, I I totally agree that this Miz program is a big test. I mean, if he falls flat on his face and this program doesn't work, then that might be it for Ryback. I mean, he's obviously over and people are getting into him, uh, but this is the first step. Um, I think, again, we keep talking about upside. There's a big upside to this guy. Um, he's over. He's he's obviously a specimen. And, you know, it's this is why I love pro wrestling. You know, I mean, we get a Ryback call. I mean, who would I, you know... And someone who doesn't watch wrestling or hasn't watched for a while is an old school kind of fan, pops on, and the first guy he gets into is is Ryback. And that's what's amazing about wrestling because there's so many nuances and you never know how someone is going to hit certain people. And, you know, here's, you know, we sit here debating, uh, you know, what to do with John Cena and where's CM Punk's character and all this other stuff. And then this guy calls in and says, I love Ryback. So. That, that's what I love about wrestling, you know, and this and you're not wrong. I mean, that's cool that you're into Ryback. Um, this is, a, you know, I guess, trying to... Too. What was that? That's also good for the company, too, because now Ryback is... I mean, that's, that's one person right there, but if Ryback can, you know, a, a newer character in a newer day in wrestling can reach out and grab an old-school wrestling fan's attention then you got something with him. You know what I mean? Like a lot of people that used to watch, and I've spoken with a lot of people that used to watch that have flipped on the channel now, they can't stand what they see because it's not what it used to be. This guy watched from the 70s with Bob Backlund and Bruno Sammartino, and he's watching, and Ryback's grabbing his attention, and Ryback isn't exactly a traditional, classic, you know, professional wrestler from that time period. So that's a, that's kudos to, to Ryback and to the company that they can grab somebody like our last caller and get his attention like that, and, and hopefully maybe more. Yeah, it's a good point. It's also, as we keep talking about, the, the three-hour Raws. I mean, right now when he's in the, the mid-card, uh, it definitely does something for that mid-card, and, and that's good. You're right. I mean, because he, he, he can't be the only one in America. So, you know, he's definitely grabbing some people. So, uh you know, I agree with you. I mean, I think I don't know if he'll be a bona fide star, but you know, I, I it's not going to surprise me at all. We'll, we'll see him with either the the world heavyweight championship or the uh, the WWE championship at some point. Uh, it might be at least the first time a short run, um, but I, I do believe we'll we'll see him. The only problem, like I said, I mean, I know you said they're not marketing the streak, but when a guy like this becomes so dominant, who is the guy that beats him? And how do they make that believable? And that's the more dominant they make somebody. I mean, years ago, they, they run into that with, with Andre. You know, how do you eventually have this guy lose? You know, who can actually beat him? Um, the answer to the other question, I, I think Daniel Bryan, is, is it's pretty simple. Uh, he was in the heavyweight title picture. Uh, he'll probably be back in the heavyweight or the WWE title picture at some point. Uh, he's Right now, he's just in the cycle. Um, you know, he 
he lost his, his belt to Sheamus. Uh, he obviously lost the rematch, uh, doesn't have the belt. And like we were talking about with Del Rio before, you know, there's only so many times you can keep having the same guy go after a belt and lose. Got to kind of go back into the cycle. So uh, I think we'll see Daniel Bryan up in the main event picture at some point. I mean, he's making uh, the his tag team a main event kind of attraction. Um, he'll be back there at some point. But for now, I, I think it's – I don't think it's any – anything bad or any criticism or any demotion. I just think uh, Daniel Bryan has is, is got to get back, you know, bring him down a little bit, and, and he'll be back up in the main event picture at some point. But that's cool. I mean, also a big difference. Daniel Bryan and Ryback are the two guys he's into. So uh, cool that those guys are kind of pulling in. I guess Daniel Bryan's more of an old-school kind of guy. Can, if you liked Bob Backlund, I can see where uh, – You'd be digging Daniel Bryant. But uh, moving on, we're going to go right back out to the calls because we've had a jam-packed phone line. Call, are you there? Hey, hey, Ken, it's Mike. How are you guys doing? Doing all right. How are you doing, Mike? All right. I'm sorry, Dave. I just to guess. <laughs> I was just messing with you, buddy. I was just no, messing that's with you. fine. I'm here. I'm here with the big man, Magic. Oh, yeah. How, how are you feeling wait, before, before we get into it? Uh, I'm feeling okay. I'm I'm doing all right, guys. I'm feeling better. Thank you, thank you for uh, the wishes, Dave. And I'm I'm okay. All right. What do you got for us tonight? Well, I was I'm with the big man right here, Magic, and uh, what do you call? It? We've been listening to a lot of the show tonight, and uh, what do you call? It? We caught a lot of stuff that was said. Uh, we want to give a shout out to the to the NWA champion Brian Fury, um, and. And uh, I'm happy about that as well. Um, also, I just wanted you guys to know that UA, UWA Elite is a very, very good company. We were there today. We were guests. And um, it's on my Facebook, or you can go to their Facebook. Um, like, at, uh, like at UWA Elite on Facebook. It's their up-and-comers. You guys can go check them out. Very Hello? cool. Sounds good. Uh, what'd you think uh, of wrestling uh, this week? Uh, did you watch the the TV shows? Yes, I did. Um, I I liked um, what do you call? It? I like what Ryback did to Miz. Um, you guys were just talking about Ryback. My personal opinion is, uh, what do you call? It? Give you know, give Ryback a chance to face the real you know big big competitors, and then give him a title and see how he does. Like the Intercontinental title, I think that's a you know I think that. That would be good. Have a nice little run with Miz, and let's see if he can get the title from from Miz. And then we talk about, you know, maybe he could go on to be a world champion because you don't, you know, you don't want to uh, bring this guy on too fast. I mean, it would be like uh, when Sheamus took the belt; he couldn't handle, you know, he couldn't hang on to the to the to the title too long. But that's my opinion on that. Cool. Yeah. Um... What'd you, you think? Know, uh, you know, SmackDown and, and Daniel Bryant and Kane. Uh, you know, and the, the run they're having right now. Okay, here's what I here's what I think about that. I think, I mean, I like Daniel Bryant and I like Kane. And you know, yes, one of them, yes, both of them lost to uh, Cody Rhodes as well as Damian Sandow, which was very good. Um, and at the and at the end um, with the disqualification, I think they're a very good tag team. You know. But I think, you know, I don't know if a lot of fans want to see the SmackDown, Daniel Bryan, and Kane show. Maybe they want to see other guys wrestle 
But for me, as a, as a, you know, I mean, I liked it. It was entertaining. I told you guys, I like Damian Sandow. He reminds me a lot of, I told you, Leap and Lenny Popple, Popple. <laughs> and now, and now Bob Backlund, the way he talks, you know, when he comes out with these stuff that you have to look in the dictionary to understand them. So that's what I, I think. Um, I like that. You know, I, I like the, I like that as well as, you know, I mean, the SmackDown itself was good. But this week it revolved obviously around the tag team champions and and uh, like you said, Dave, it's going to probably be a short term because in the long run it's going to ruin the uh, division. But they need more tag teams. That's what I I, I think. That's good stuff. Uh, yeah, I mean I agree with you. I mean, and I, it seems like everyone's kind of cautious with this. It's entertaining now, but uh, you know, fearful that it, you know it could get to be uh, too much. Mike, thanks for the call. Glad you're feeling better. Hey, I will talk um, to you soon. What do you call it? Guys, as always, just support the indies. That's what it's all about. Support all the indies. BWO Wrestling, UWA Elite, ECPW. Every independent needs your support because without us, there would be no you, meaning the pros, baby. And everybody knows that. And I also want to thank my big man, Big Magic, for sitting in with me on this one. What's up? Awesome. How you doing, all Magic? Right. I'm doing good. How are you doing? Doing all right. Yeah, I'd like to give up a lot of shout-out to the new NWA champion. He's a hell of a good worker, man. Tough guy. Very cool. Thanks a lot. All right, guys, thanks a lot for the call. We'll talk to you next time. All right, we'll speak to you next time, guys. Have a good week. See you later, man. Sounds good. Take it easy. All right. Mike. Well, there you go. I go. You know, we have indie guys. So, you know, it's great. Like, I'm glad. You know, we try and maintain a balance on the show, hitting the indies as well as uh, uh, the majors. You know, we try and do the best we can to, to hit everything. It's tough in two hours to hit everything. But, uh, you know, Dave, I think you'd, you'd agree with me. You know, the indie scene really is the, the backbone of the business. And, uh, you know, it's in, I mean, look, I've been to some shitty indie shows. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I and mean, they're not all, like, amazing. But uh, there is something to be said that when you go to these indie shows, man, most of the performers – there's a hunger that you don't see as much on TV. And I think that's kind of what Gut Check is trying to show, which is kind of cool, uh, at least bringing some of these guys on that have this hunger, uh, this drive to get in the business. Um, you know, when you go to the indie shows, I mean, it's something in the eyes, you know, that there's just this this hunger, this uh, drive, this uh, I'll do anything to get noticed, uh, to get a shot at one of the big companies. And, uh that's part of the fun of going to indie shows. And, and that's, you know, honestly, that's kind of the vibe we're going to try and bring with NWA on fire when we get our TV deal is bringing, kind of taking that, that indie uh, hunger and, and fire and, and just kind of showing it on TV and giving a an hour-long show of, of just showcasing, uh, you know, great indie wrestling. And, uh, you know, I, I really enjoy going to, to indie shows, whatever the promotion is, uh, you know, I mean, I would, you agree, right, Dave? No, I do. Yeah, I mean, you, you never know what talent's out there. I mean, it's you know, the, the the future of the wrestling industry could be at your local VFW in you know Elmwood Park, New Jersey, or in you know Oshkosh, Wisconsin. You know what I mean? Like it's it, 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 that that's the beauty of it. You know, you could you you and I could go to a show in you know Nyack, New York, or wherever, and we could see God knows who and five, six years down the road, 
we could watch WWE or we could watch TNA or even Ring of Honor if they're still around, and we could say, oh, my God, that was that guy we saw in, you know, Nyack, New York, and he had that really good match, you know. It's almost like, it's almost like in a way that, like, you discovered him, you know, that cool feeling was like, yeah, I seen him, I seen him before he was, you know, this, you know what I mean? And that guy was good. Like, like, like I remember a couple of years ago, I went to a Northeast wrestling show in Connecticut and, uh, Richie Steamboat, the son of Ricky, the dragon Steamboat was on the show and he had not gotten a developmental contract yet, but that was because Rick, his father, Ricky wanted him to work independence and wanted him to work in Japan and, and really hone his craft before he was basically given a contract because Ricky works for the company. And, his look, his in-ring work, I just saw him and I said to myself, I was like, shit, if they put that guy on TV tomorrow, I wouldn't have a problem with it. I'm like, the guy is good. He knows what he's doing. And he, obviously the genes and his family, you know, it, it, it helps and it works. So um, that's the beauty of indie wrestling. And now look at Richie Steamboat. He's on NXT or Florida Championship Wrestling, whatever they call themselves now. And he, he'll probably get called up to the main roster within a year or so. So yeah, I mean, that, that's, the beauty, that's the beauty of the indies. And I agree with you. I think it gives, like, fans, you know, if you go, I mean, go out. You're a fan. Just go out. Like, find, even if it is at an Elks Club somewhere, some, they're always, like, good shows. And it gives you some ownership. But it does. Like, that's your guy. When, you know, when and if someone winds up on TV, it's like, you know, you get that I knew him when. And you know what? Who knows? Maybe you go to one of these indie shows and you you get some guy to sign something and they wind up being huge in the business. And you got an autograph from a a big time star before they were uh, they were big. So uh love the indie scene, love uh, getting immersed in it. Uh let's go back out to the phone cuz we have Dank on the line. Dank, how you doing? Good. How you guys doing? Doing all right. What do you got for us? Um well, I know you guys were talking about who um who to replace. Who 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 to replace Cena for the next four to six weeks? Um what kind of storyline can we come up with? And then you got the whole Ryback thing, and premature or not, how would you feel if this, like, tomorrow night, CM Punk's in the ring doing his feel like he always does every Monday night, and he gets interrupted by Ryback, who just simply comes to the ring and looks at him and tells him, beat me more as he's pointing at the belt. And for the next four to six weeks, it's a give and take. Here a match, there a match, prove yourself for the belt until Cena comes back. And see, since Ryback and the WWE fan base seems to be responding well to him, basically, you know, becomes Cena for the next four weeks or so. Because then you know Miz is going to want his two cents in there. And that's another week where they can go up against Ryback. Like they could do so much with it, but I don't know. What what's your take on something like that? Yeah, it's funny. It's it's not horrible. It it always it's not you know, and what I like about it is we were talking before about someone breaking uh the streak or being the first one to beat him. You know, Punk's a heel, he's got Heyman in his corner, um there could be something where, uh, you know, there's some interference. So Punk wins in a, uh, you know, in an underhanded way. And, and yet, you know, I beat Ryback and you still don't respect me. Um, and Ryback losing to Punk doesn't kill Ryback. You lost to the, 
the WWE champ. Um, it could be interesting. I mean, I, I don't know, um, and I don't think they'll go in that direction, but um, I could see being it done in such a way, or even if they did something where, um, you know, let's just say he beats Miz for the uh, IC title, and that whole feed me more. You know, one belt's not enough. Um, and he kind of runs at Punk for for the next couple weeks. If And that's all saying if, if Punk is, uh, you know, if Cena's not on TV, and I think we're going to see Cena on TV even though he's healing up. But, uh, Dank, I'm going to let you go because we're running up uh, close to the end of the show. But uh, good point. We'll get uh, Dave's take on it. But uh, thanks for the call. We'll talk to you soon. All right, guys. I'll see you guys tomorrow night. Thanks. Um yeah, and thanks to tomorrow night. You know, if you're ever on Facebook, you know, we do a raw thread on Facebook.com slash the Ken Reedy Show. We comment on a thread that we're seeing on Monday Night Raw. So jump on board. But uh, I don't know, like, Dave, I don't think, again, I don't think they're going to go in that direction. Not a horrible idea. No, it's not terrible. I think if they were to do that, that would be something in the short term until John Cena does come back. I think the company wants to, you know, unless the company has, like, 100% ultimate confidence that Ryback can be put in this position and do well and not fall flat on his face, then they would pull the trigger and it would get people talking, you know, being like, oh, my God, CM Punk wrestled Ryback, and Ryback's only been around for, you know, six, seven, eight months or whatever, you know? Like, you know, we got to see what's going on in Raw. Like, maybe maybe, maybe, they, maybe WWE is really starting to push new talent. I mean, it could create that buzz, but I don't think the company has enough faith in him right now to put him in that role for the long term. For the short term, it could work, like you said, if, like, he were to wrestle Miz tomorrow and then the following week he did this thing with Punk like Dank proposed. It could work in the short term. Uh, but I think putting putting him in the role with Miz now, like like I said earlier, that's a true test. So they want to see how he gets to that before he gets to the to, to the big picture. Um, you know, an old saying, you got to walk before you can run. I think they're trying to walk right back slowly to the main event because they do see potential in him. As far as who can replace him, I mean, we, we run the gamut of, you know, who's who. I think they're going to go with a veteran that they'll bring back possibly a Triple H or an Undertaker to fill the void um, for the time being. And it would, it would help Punk in a way really to cement his status as a, as a real deal big time player up there with John Cena, if he were to work with a Triple H or an Undertaker um, again for the short term, who knows? I mean, John Cena is supposed to be on Raw tomorrow night to address this injury situation. Um, so we'll find out after tomorrow night where they go from there. If, if, if Cena is cleared to wrestle by Hell in the Cell and they do a rematch with him and Punk, or if they, you know, or if he's not cleared, and now they got to figure out a plan B. Only time will tell with that one. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, again, I, I like I like Dan because he thinks outside the box, and it, it could work, again, thinking they're not going to go in the direction, but it would be interesting. You know, we are – thank you all for supporting the show tonight. A lot of calls, and we're we're running late on this. We've got about five minutes left in the show, but we're going to go for it anyway. You know what it's time for. <laughs> The Ken Reedy Show, not of approval. Gango, we do this each and every week. Something in the world of wrestling, a performer, a match, uh, an event, something that just you sat back, nodded to yourself, and said, that works. So, 
Uh, we do this each and every week. Dave, who gets your nod of approval this week? CM Punk's ring attire in Boston at uh, Night of Champions. He came out wearing, uh, you know, his normal with the Chicago Stars, but he had a Yankee-colored pinstripes to his kick pads and to his tights. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, I saw what he was trying to do there, draw some heat uh, in Boston. Uh, It worked in the beginning. However, throughout the course of the match, people in Boston were cheering for him. you know, like, yep. you, like you've said, you know, he, he's one of those guys that he bleeds the wrestling business, and he tried his damnedest to draw some heat, and he got some for the short term, but over the course of the match, he was gaining more popularity. Um, and I know we spoke about this on the show, or before the show, about, um, uh, you know, smart fans and, like, people in Boston and, like, how John Cena's the baby face. He's from the area, but they're still booing him. Um uh, and, uh, you know, it was like that, you know, Chicago. I mean, obviously CM Punk got the, you know, the, 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 the heavy cheers from the crowd. But in New York, too, they're pretty big, smart fans. And it's just funny how, like, in Boston, Punk wears that attire to draw heat from a Boston crowd, and he's still getting cheered. But I thought it was a good move on his part to go that route, to try and draw heat, to really cement his status as the top heel in the company. Because I think right now he is, and I think he will be for a long time. But CM Punk's wrestling attire to my nod of approval. Nice. Yeah, it was interesting that he didn't, I don't think he got the heat that he thought he'd get, but definitely a heart in the right place, so to speak, as the uh, number one heel. And I agree with you, he is the number one heel. And, and I love, I so enjoy seeing him as, as a heel uh, more than a face. But uh, this week, my nod of approval goes to uh, the number one face in the company. We have the number one heel and the number one face. I'm going with John Cena. And, you know, if you don't like it, tough. Okay, you know, I like Cena. I know where his limitations are, but you know what? First off, the Susan G. Coleman thing, breast cancer awareness, uh, it's great. I, I think it's great. Uh, I got no problem with, you know, cutting uh, some other pink out of, like, other people's wrestling attire to really draw attention. I think it's great. I think raising proceeds uh, for the cause for the month of October, uh, the merchandise is great, the, the sweatbands, everything. I, I just think it, good for him. Um, you know, every time this guy is challenged, uh, he steps up to the plate. You know, a kick-ass promo before Night of Champions. And you know what? Great match with CM Punk again. And a great match with a bum ankle and a bum elbow. Uh, needing surgery this week. So, you know... That's what you want out of your athletes. You want to see guys who are going to go out there and bring it each and every week. And you know what? He did. And a lot of people that criticize John Cena, I'd like to see you with a, an elbow-needing surgery and a sprained ankle do anything athletics. So stop criticizing. So this <laughs> John Cena. So, well, quite a week. You know, those two guys headline a pay-per-view, and this week they get the CM Punk and John Cena, the two nods of approval. The Ken Reedy Show, Nod of Approval. And as we get into the home stretch, about a minute left, we have made it easy for you. You want to donate to a good cause, walk for wishes, as Bob Arian and Steve Off were talking about on the show? You go right now to the KenReedyShow.com. The link is right there. It's easy. KenReedyShow.com. 
click on the link, Walk for Wishes, and you can donate, join a team, whatever. Just go right to our website and click on the link. Uh, good cause, you know, we love when wrestling uh, helps out because there's so much bad press with the wrestling business, but there's a lot of good out there, and the good needs to be showcased, and that's what we're all about here. Uh, partner, another great show. Yes, time? indeed. Very successful. And you know what? I did a two-hour show with a cold, just like John Cena did a two-hour show with a broken ankle, a bum ankle, and an elbow. So I should be commended, too. You are. Hashtag You'll get my nod of approval next week. Hashtag just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so, for my tag team partner, Dave, again, thank you all so much for supporting the show. Keep calling in. Again, this ain't just a show. This is a movement. For Dave, I am Ken. Thank you, and good night. Thank <laughs> you.